Good morning, and welcome to the Redeemer's Refuge radio broadcast, brought to you by Redeemer Lutheran Church, One Deer Walk Lane in Charleston, a member congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Redeemer Lutheran Church, help, hope, and home in the body of Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto each of you from God our Father and our Lord and King, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Eternal God, comfort of the afflicted and healer of the broken, you have fed us with your word and sacrament. Teach us the ways of gentleness and peace, that we may honor Christ as holy and be prepared to share the hope that you have given to us. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our reading for this fifth Sunday of Pentecost is from 1 Peter 3, verses 13 through 16. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for doing what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. In your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. A little girl misbehaved. Her mother told her, go to your room and stay there until you're sorry enough to come out. A few minutes later, the bedroom door creaked open. There stood the little girl in the doorway. Now then, the mom asked, are you sorry? Sorry enough to come out? The girl said, I'm sorry enough that I want to keep the door open. When you hear about an apology, perhaps the first thing that comes to mind is saying you are sorry. So when you hear the word apology linked with Christianity, as in this series of sermons on Christian apologetics, you could think we will be talking about saying we are sorry for being Christian. That is not at all what these sermons are about. We are using the word apology in another sense. Defense. Christian apologetics is defense of the faith. By inspiration, the Apostle Peter wrote, In your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense, apologia in Greek, to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. These sermons will help us all to be prepared to make a defense. We should be prepared to make a defense of the faith, so to serve our neighbors. But what is it to be conversant in the faith? Being conversant with respect to anything means being able to hold a conversation about it. It means you can talk about something quite freely with someone else. Being conversant in the faith amounts to more than knowing your Bible, your catechism, or your hymnal, although it certainly includes these. Still more, though, being conversant in the Christian faith involves an ability to converse with others about Christ. When we have such talks with others, Objections will, of course, arise sooner or later. If we do not give an answer, as the text encourages us to do, how long do you suppose a conversation about Christ will last? Will people keep hanging around and hearing the gospel from us? Bring the good news to our neighbors. It helps if we are prepared to defend it. We defend the faith by countering objections. We cannot make the gospel of Christ any more powerful or effective for people, yet we can lay to rest objections that stand in the way of their hearing this good news. Like disaster workers first on the scene after hurricanes or tornadoes to clear debris off roads for emergency vehicles, 
Christian apologetics moves to the side various objections that people bring up so that the life-giving gospel can have right of way. At times, the best defense can be made with a good offense. Christian apologetics challenges the false assumptions and positions of an ungodly world. For instance, these days it is often thought that, although people know lots of things, the only real knowledge is the sort of knowledge that can be demonstrated scientifically. However, this idea that real knowledge must come from science does not itself emerge from any scientific experiment. We can point that out. Tackling a non-Christian worldview right at its heart constitutes an important aspect of Christian apologetics. When you wash your hands, in addition to being in, a, in favor of cleanliness, you must be against dirt. If you allow that some dirt is acceptable, after all, you will probably not get your hands clean. Ways of thinking that oppose the gospel turn out to be downright dangerous, eternally dangerous. In no way does it serve our neighbors if we shrug and say, eh, whatever. There is a defense to be made before our neighbors, an apologetic to be deployed, charged by the kind of attitude held by the psalmist who was overwhelmed by God in his word. He said, how sweet are your words to my taste, and also, I hate every false way. For in addition to serving our neighbors, defending the faith is also a way of loving the Lord. This stands out as another reason why we should be prepared to do it. Loving God, we need to be careful in defending the faith, for we are not God. Our apologetic efforts dare never set ourselves up on the ground that He alone should occupy. However well-meaning we might be with our apologetics, and as much as we may care about some other person, we can never argue him or her into saving faith. We cannot do this for others any more than we did it for ourselves. We give a reason for the hope that is in us, but we did not place the hope there. Only God can do that. Likewise, it will not do for us to formulate a grid of expectations as to what God must be like, then impose it on the Lord. Towards the end of Job, God, in effect, said, So, I'm not quite up to snuff with what you want? Well, that was too bad. God remained God, and Job was not God. So also, our apologetic efforts do not love God as if they end up trying to cram him into some box of our making. Nor are we loving God if our apologetics come off as a sophisticated version of an altar call. If we are not careful, we might make this impression. All right, now, I have given you reason A, which stands against objection B, and fits into slot C. Then becomes the basis for the big D, your decision for Christ. No, salvation always comes by God's grace. He gets all the glory. Scripture tells us, by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God. In fact, God even gives the faith. For it has been granted to you that you should believe in him. After all, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Bear this in mind. If believing in Christ ever starts looking to us like a natural step for sinners to take, we have lost sight of how great a rebellion sin is, even how large and damnable it looms in our own lives. On the other hand, if we take seriously the very real prospect that the gospel may be rejected, we will appreciate all the more what miracles God accomplishes. On top of giving the world a savior, he also grants saving faith in Christ. And he does this for people like you and me. To him be all the glory. 
We should be prepared to offer an apologetic to serve our neighbors and love God. Preparing to defend the faith is not only something that should be done, it also can be done by God's grace. We continue to be sinners. All too easily we forget about making a defense of the faith. We are not prepared, we say. But how much preparation do we engage in? Truth be told, silently we might wish that no one ever asks about the hope that is in us. Some way to serve our neighbors. Some way to love God. Remember, Jesus said, whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes into the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The only hope for sinners lies outside of ourselves and our efforts, including our efforts to defend the faith. So today's message is not, you haven't been defending the faith as you should, but do what you can from now on and hope for the best. Such so-called hope would be fleeting indeed. Only in Christ the Savior does anyone have a hope that stands firm and solid because it rests entirely on what God has done. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures once for all. But he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, with ongoing effects. This is the gospel by which we are saved. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, the church sings, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's the way a repentant heart talks. One that has put on for a helmet the hope of salvation through Christ. With such hope, we can prepare to defend the faith as we keep our focus on Christ. One famous apologist reported that no point of Christian teaching used to appear so unreal to him as one that he had just defended. For then, the point at hand seemed as if it rested on him and his ability to make a case for it. So he kept reminding himself that the only hope for any of us lies outside of ourselves and our efforts, including our efforts to defend the faith. Defenders of the faith need the gospel every bit as much as the people to whom they make the defense. As you daily return to your baptism in repentance and faith, be assured that the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. In this spirit, we Christians can be prepared to defend the faith and defend it with sensitivity to those we meet. We know our neighbor's greatest need perhaps better than they do. Therefore, apologist John Warwick Montgomery has for years recommended giving people the good news and then engaging in apologetics only as needed thereafter. Nothing can be more basic than Christ's life death in place of our whole world of sinners and his living to tell the tale for you. This forms the heart of the saving gospel. If a person voices objections, then you can make a defense. But do not generate problems. Do not bring up possible objections that had not occurred to the person in the first place. In any case, you cannot assume you know what objections people bring unless you listen to them and learn from them. This can entail doing some digging, informing yourself about their 
unchristian assumptions and worldviews so you can converse with them intelligently. Then you can defend the faith, as Peter wrote in the text, with gentleness and respect. Literally, that last word is phobos in the Greek, which is fear. It reminds us not merely to be respectful before other people, but still more to make our defense in a wise way before the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Learning about the positions other people take becomes a spiritual sacrifice. To do it, you spend time thinking about probably unfamiliar and possibly irksome things, not for you to embrace them, but rather to take every thought captive to Christ. Peter reminds us, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This brings up a final suggestion. Quite in line with the gentleness and hopefulness mentioned by Peter, be patient. In the end, apologetics should serve to present a person with Christ and his forgiveness for poor, undeserving sinners. So while your every thought should remain captive to Christ, recall that when you deal with people, you are trying to clear the way for the gospel. It is not necessary that every single particle of debris be removed. After people believe the good news, the Holy Spirit works in their hearts to take their every thought captive to Christ. Just as your apologetics activities begin with the gospel for you, these activities aim at the gospel for the people with whom you converse. Remember, from the beginning of the sermon, the little girl standing in the doorway of her bedroom, she said she was sorry enough to want her door kept open. I suppose she would have been willing to offer a half-hearted apology in the sense of being sorry. We are not sorry about the Christian faith, though. Our apology, as we have said here, constitutes a defense of the faith. Be prepared to make a defense. Do so, not half-heartedly, but with full confidence in Christ. By all means, keep the door open to people all around you. Someone will want to know about the reason for the hope that is in you, and you will be prepared. Amen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Let us pray. Gracious Father, by the obedience of Jesus, you brought salvation to our wayward world. Draw us into harmony with your will, that we may find all things restored in him, our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.